Welcome to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Join the podcast mogul Phil Better as he interviews successful entrepreneurs that make their living in the digital world. Now, let's join your host, Phil Better, and his special guest today on Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. I am, of course, your host with the most Phil Better, and today I am very happy to have the financial fitness coach herself, Tracy Zanet, on the podcast. Tracy, thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you. It's really my pleasure to be here. So, Tracy, I do have a, a very long uh, intro, or it's a short intro, but on my screen, it looks longer than it normally is. Um, how about uh, you give us a quick little introduction and introduce yourself to my audience? Sorry, coming from your words and not mine. Absolutely. So um, I started Visit Financial Fitness in 2016 after leaving a really successful career in banking, was working in one of Canada's big five banks for 16 years in the areas of commercial lending and risk management. Uh, So took all the things that I like to do and really package them up together. Uh, So that includes working with young adults, uh, coaching uh, business owners around their financial acumen, as well as I'm a professor at Centennial College um, in Toronto area. So I'm based in Toronto in Canada. Uh, So really fun for me getting to help people learn about money, whether personally or or in their business, and so that they can move uh, forward and really tackle their goals that they have in life without lots of apprehension and a lot more confidence. So really fun for me to do that. Well, we 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 sit, we come from the same background. I come from. I was one of the other five uh, okay. big bankers in Canada. <laughs> so we, uh, I'm well aware of the bank you're working with, and it's a great bank. Um, but I love that you've taken your knowledge that you spent 16 years, de- pretty much having another company pay you to learn mm-hmm. and get that, and then go off on your own and help others um, and continue to grow their business and yours. Um, what, where was the why? Like, why did you decide, hey, after 16 years working at one of the big banks, you know, and anybody who knows anything about banks, like, you're pretty much safe for life. Once you pass like that five year <laughs> mark, you're, you're good, you're golden, like, it's nearly impossible to get fired. Um, and you're set afterwards. But why did you decide to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to strike it out on my own? Well, this is funny because um, they often do restructuring. So while um, lots of levels are very safe, um, my level of where I was was not so safe. And so my uh, seat was taken away from the table and it gave me a really good opportunity. My severance was super fair. And so I really just took some time to think about what is it that I want to do for the rest of my life. And I easily could go and work in another bank in the exact same capacity. uh, people were looking for my resume and I said, oh, I don't have it ready. It's, I don't just wait till I get it ready. And I probably subconsciously, I was really thinking about what else maybe should I do. And so through um, just leaving some space and some time thought about what is it that I want to do? And that's where I was able to package up all the things that I enjoy. I had loved teaching new lenders in the organization about uh, business customers, how to understand business finances. Uh, so I looked for a teaching role. I started teaching at McMaster University in Hamilton. I started teaching at Centennial College, eventually moved full time to Centennial and then started a podcast, uh, The Young Money with Tracy Bissett, which is the advice show for young millionaires in the making. And that's been super fun. We're um, almost hitting our four year anniversary. Uh, so cranking out an episode every week, which as you know, it takes a long <laughs> commitment and effort. Yep. 
Uh, It's a lot of work. (laughs) So I'm always learning, which is fun. So I try to bring things to the listeners where I'm figuring things out. So I've been learning a lot about cryptocurrencies. I've been learning about NFTs and I, I share my experience, whether it's good or bad and, and kind of my learning journey. And then um, really spend a lot of my time focused on business owners. And I typically work with companies, sales are under 2 million. They're across the board in terms of industries and they're excellent at what they do. They just don't have the financial piece in place. And so they need someone to help them. Uh, so it's really my privilege to take everything I know and, and really help people advance towards their goals. And I always from a place of positivity, build on what they do know, and then let's move forward. There we go. That's, I love it. It's, I, I feel I've connected with so many Canadian entrepreneurs and I, I just get this like kind of glow of pride because nearly every single one, not saying that the international <laughs> ones don't do this, but I feel like a lot of the Canadian ones, uh, Canadian entrepreneurs, they feel like, yeah, I can get be really super successful, but I want to help others get even bigger than me. Like we w- just want to help everybody just get bigger than us. And in turn, we know it's going to just come back to us, but it's, it's, it's interesting that we're like, no, I'm, I'm happy with this amount of success. I want to, if I can make someone else successful, that's even better, you know? Yeah, it's a, because what I'm doing is not typically what someone who was a former executive would do, um, because I could make a lot more money doing other <laughs> things. Um, but I, I love it. And it's personal satisfaction. It gives me freedom, flexibility, and I get to meet amazing people and, and really see what they can do with that, a little bit more support and increasing confidence. Love it. Love it. I love it. It's just amazing. Um, so your real jump into the entrepreneurial world was kind of like a kick out the door. In essence. It, it was a polite click kick out the door, but it wasn't a, you didn't choose to pretty much jump into this. It was kind of like force upon you. Well, it was um, at that time I could take a job or, or go into entrepreneurship, but I always was very entrepreneurial. Um, So from the age of seven, I absolutely loved money. I grew up in a house. My dad was a banker. We talked about money as a family very regularly. My mom, I'd see her making the grocery list, making sure she was going to be able to buy the things that were on the list. And I remember one summer when I was seven, my friend and I wanted to go to the corner store every day on Green Gables. I grew up in Nova Scotia. And the first day of the week, I went to my mom and she gave me a quarter and said, okay, here you go. You can go to the store. So I went back the next day and she's like, no, you get money once a week, Tracy. We have money, but not for you to go to the store every day. So I said, well, okay, I don't like this. So I, I went outside with my friend and we brainstormed ways that we could make money. So we had little garage sales. We had lemonade stands. We um, created little clubs or did lessons that we would charge other kids to come and, and be in our club or have lessons. Um, we had a little neighborhood newspaper. But I learned really young that money was a thing that could help you get stuff you wanted or experiences you wanted. So very unemotional about money from a young age, which is really unique. So I I carried on. I went into junior achievement when I was in junior high and high school. I was the top salesperson in in my company selling these ridiculous, uh, really silly products that nobody actually needed. But I was very persistent. Did you sell the pet rock? Was it the pet rock that you were selling? No, that might have been better. We Some <laughs> people might remember potpourri, which is like dried up flowers oh, and, and uh, berries and stuff. And we would take it from a large bag and put it into a smaller bag and re- put our label on it. Uh, so we would repackage this potpourri. And I sold a lot of bags of that stuff, which <laughs> was not very uh, nice smelling and not very <laughs> useful. 
but very persistent and people were supportive. So um, really learned uh, quite a bit about sales at that time. And I went into business school and thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll go and work in a, in a bank for a couple of years and then fast forward 15, 16 years. So kind of the long way back to entrepreneurship. Everybody finds their way back to it, I find. They're, they hear about, oh, yeah, I'm going to go get this stable job before I jump into the real nitty gritty. And then they get into that routine and just all of a sudden. And then life was like, no, no, no. This isn't the path I had for you. You're over here. You, you've had your vacation. Let's go over here now. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's so interesting because you're in a very specific niche that not a lot of other entrepreneurs are in. Because you're you're a teacher. You're a professor. Sorry. You're, you're showing the future generations how to be wiser with their money so that when they do become financially stable and they can grow their businesses properly, but also you have your full business on the other side doing exactly the same thing you're teaching. Absolutely. Is- like I can be teaching my students about cash flow management and cash budgets in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I'm working with a real live entrepreneur, um, teaching them how to understand their cash flow cycle and how we do some cash flow forecasting. So, and does it, the two ever overlap? Like, do you take the case quote unquote case studies, like the clients you you're using and bring them into the, uh, into the classroom? Sometimes I share examples kind of on a nondescript basis. So we don't want to reveal anything from a confidentiality standpoint, but um, I want the students to understand like, this isn't just the stuff we're seeing in the textbook. Let me explain how it worked with this, this company that does window tinting or this medical practice and how it actually shakes out for them. And so it's not abstract. It's not this thing that we're just reading about it. This is people's lives and they have to understand this to make their businesses work. I love it. I love it. Giving real, like it, it makes it more real. It makes it like, like it's not, like you said, not this abstract concept. You're, you're doing better words than I am. That's why you're the teacher. Um, <laughs> makes sense there. Um, but what are some of the uh, the pitfalls maybe that some entrepreneurs see and maybe some that you were able to avoid since you had this knowledge from the financial uh, world? The first thing that I see is um, business owners not taking accountability for the financial side of the business. And that's a huge one. So it's either I've hired an accountant and a bookkeeper, so I'm good. I don't need to pay attention to that stuff. Or I'm just going to work really hard because I'm not good at math. And if I make sales, it's all going to work out. So kind of two camps of people. Uh, So number one, I encourage everybody listening and watching to please step up and take accountability. Uh, Important to know that it's not your fault that you don't know how to manage the financial side of your business. Um, Certainly in Canada, the school system does a poor job teaching students about uh, personal finance, let alone business finance is barely anywhere. So nobody's taught you. um, So it's okay to say, I don't, I don't know and I need some help. So that's the first one. Uh, The second one I see is not getting access to credit soon enough. So as soon as I started my business, I shopped around because I wanted to do it as a little experiment. I went to all the banks to find out, okay, how do I get a business credit card? How do I get a line of credit? Uh, And and really, you want to start the clock on credit in your business as soon as you start it so that the credit history can grow as your company grows. And at the beginning, your credit is going to be based on your personal credit score. So understanding that's the way it's going to work. But then over time, you're going to have a track record in your business. So you want to be able to grow that credit, have that relationship so that as you need more, um, you're going to be able to to obtain that. And and one of the uh, two other things I'll mention, I see a lot of commingling of the personal and the business finances. Um, 
when you don't know what you're doing, that makes it even harder. So it makes it so messy, like this complicated puzzle. So no wonder you don't want to get started and dive in. So even if you're unincorporated, make sure you got two accounts and you use one for business and one for personal, even do the same thing with credit cards, even if um, you're unincorporated. And then the other, the other thing that's really big, uh, I would say 85% of my clients are pricing unprofitably, which, uh, which means they don't get a steady paycheck, which is the reason they started their business. And they're losing money on everything they do and they don't understand why this is not going easier. And they just keep working harder and harder. But as you increase your sales, you're just losing more money. So encourage everybody to dig to those numbers. And you don't need to do it alone is, is something you certainly want to keep in mind. No, no, and that's a very important part. You're like, you can't be a master of all all aspects of your business. You can be, you can get little bits and have a basic understanding. Like, like uh, I remember uh, a story. Uh, I can't remember where I read it, but it was about Henry Ford being questioned, and the lawyers asking him these really questions a businessman doesn't need to know. Like, who was the president during this administration <laughs> and that, and. Uh, Henry Ford, I know I'm I'm very paraphrasing, but Harry, Henry Ford, know that because I have a button on my desk that I can press and I can get that information in a split second. So how is me knowing this relevant to me being a good businessman? And it's it's true. You don't need to know everything and it's okay not to. And you can always find those people who know. Like, I didn't know how to do sales, so I went out and got a coach. Absolutely. It's so the same with finances and that. So it's great to know that there's a great entrepreneur here <laughs> on the show that can help you uh, get your finances uh, in right and understand how to be a more business finance because everybody's looking at the personal side. Not, not a lot of people are looking at the business side, which is important if you're going to start your own business. Yeah, I find there's some kind of there's a lot of shame and embarrassment around this lack of knowledge. And you just mentioned it. you got a sales coach. Nobody feels embarrassed hiring a sales coach or someone to help them with marketing or operations. But as soon as it comes to the money piece, there's all of a sudden people are feeling uh, uneasy or embarrassed to even say that they need help there where it's just like one other area of your business. When I was working in the bank, I was an expert at like three things. I came to my business, I had to know 50. Like you said, I had to get other people to help me because I can't learn all those things and I don't need to be the expert at every single one of them. I need to have a working knowledge, but I'm gonna need to get support. So wherever you need that in your business, you need, it's, uh, it does yourself a disservice to be too proud to get the help that you need. Yeah, and I think it's it's it goes back to our relationship as kids because I come from a place where our family didn't really talk about money. So there was kind of like a... a, a a mystery or a shame mm. with money. Whereas in your family, you guys talked openly and you didn't have that emotional connection to it. So it was, it's, I guess it's the emotional connection because you hear all the negativity coming from your parents sometimes when they're struggling with bills and that saying, oh, money's only for the rich, the rich this, the rich that. So yeah. when you're starting to go down that path, you're like, well, I'm supposed to know all this because everybody else does. I can't let them know that I don't know this. So and and just like to let you in on a secret, most people don't know. So <laughs> I've seen behind the, the curtains <laughs> and no, most people don't know. So be brave and ask. And uh, you bring up a good point. Your money views and relationship with money is formed when you're between like five and seven years of age. So however, uh, what you were feeling that way, uh, what was going on in your house at that time, that's going to stay with you your whole life. And so every time you probably get an email that tells you you got a bill in your inbox, you probably feel the exact same way you did when you were a little kid and you, you heard those dialogues in your house. So I've had a five-year-old when I was volunteering with Girl Guides and the Little Sparks program tell me money's evil. 
imagine she probably doesn't know what money is, but she thinks it's evil and something's going on in her house that makes her think that. So that's staying with her unless she consciously changes that throughout her life. So really interesting to think about that. And, and you can change it, which is the good thing. You can always change your views and your relationship to money if you're willing to, to take a look at it and, and change some of your routines. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's very important to do at least every six months. Take a re, revamp. Look at your finances. See what's going on. See where your money's going. Because if, like people say, I have I make, oh, 100K, but at the end of the year, you're, you're, you're like, I only have $5 left. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of my pet peeves, I must say, is um, especially in the digital world and you see on social media people hyping their launches. Uh, I don't care if you had a half a million dollar launch if you lost 100000 in the process. So I would rather people stop talking about that top line, the sales, and really focus on the bottom line and how much money they're actually making. And I'm a huge fan of people making as much money as they possibly can. Not because I want them to be greedy and hoard their money, but because then you can perhaps create jobs if you want to. You can set your hours. You create freedom and flexibility for yourself. You can decide to give some of your services away pro bono. Um, you can do all kinds of different things when you make money, but you're really limited in what you can do when you're, when you're losing money. That's right. Yeah, I know. And like, I have a goal to employ, like teach people how to make podcasts so that they can go ahead and create their own kind of agency of creating podcasts for other entrepreneurs and just be like, there's my job creation. I don't have to manage everybody. Everybody just sends a couple <laughs> dollars back my way as a thank you. That's it. That's all I care about. Like, I don't want to have employees because mm -hmm. that's a lot more work, a lot more. Yeah, it's not for everybody. Here. So no. um, you got to find the thing you want, but when you're profitable, you can choose. Yeah. And, and you can hire other people to manage other people if you want. Um, or you can can work three days a week or and you can spend your time volunteering or just go hang out, podcast, relax, whatever you want to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do want to talk to you about your podcast because as a podcaster, I'm always interested and mm -hmm. possibly able to use this clip on my other one of my other shows. Um, what made you first want to start a podcast? I didn't actually. So that's oh. the funny thing. I had a business coach, like you talked about, you had your sales coach and I had about 20 half written blogs on my computer that were not going anywhere. And she said, you know, Tracy podcasting, this was in um, early 2017. So podcasting was not as prevalent as it is right now. Uh, and she said, this is really kind of the, the venue and the forum to reach people. It's really fun. She had had her podcast for a couple of years and I was really, after coming out of a risk management department in a bank, like really apprehensive about this because I was doing everything in a box, very conservative. Yeah. And so the thought of having to come up with ideas, having to speak on, on this audio mechanism, because I do my audio only, um, listening to my own voice, all of this <sighs> was really like not in my comfort zone. So I said, well, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. And I let my reason why I wanted to do it be the overriding thing. So my fear didn't get in the way of this because my goal was to help more people learn about money. And that was really to help 18 to 30-ish in age group and lots of people who love them learn about kind of basic things to help them feel more confident. So I thought that's more important to me than being scared of how I'm going to sound or racking my brain to come up with with the content. Uh, so that's what led me to start. We launched in December, 2017. Um, this week we put out, I think episode 218. So we go uh, weekly for sure. I've only run one replay in my time in a couple of weeks um, in, in certain periods where we're doing some series, I've run a couple a week. Uh, so we showcased um, 
other experts who can help our listeners. We showcase young adults who can share the good, the bad, the stuff that they're doing, because we know our listeners like to hear from people who are them. Um, They love to hear from me. Uh, I had a misconception at the beginning. I thought that the shows where I did interviews were going to be more well-received than shows where I do training, and that proved not to be true. We've got equal or sometimes better downloads on my solo shows. So you've got to try it and experiment and, and watch the numbers. We're listened to in over 40 countries, which is pretty cool. Let's go. Yeah. The downloads just keep increasing. And um, it's been the most fun thing I've ever done. And I was so not excited about it uh, when I started. And um, staying with it, being committed, staying with the schedule, um, talking about things I don't know. The tech part wasn't my skill set. I made sure I got a producer. I outsourced that right from the beginning so that I just needed to take care of my creative content and and we do the marketing, but the the tech side and putting the episodes together is not my thing. So didn't, didn't try to overwhelm myself by putting that on my plate too. There you go. There you go. I love it. And and a great piece of advice. You got someone who knew how to handle the back end. So, cause that wasn't your expertise and that's something that my clients do. They hire me to handle that for them because heck, it's, it's, it's a lot easier when you don't. It's... And it's the, the podcasting community is such a wonderful community. So even if you're going to be a guest on podcasts, like I am today, you meet wonderful hosts, you get to meet um, all kinds of amazing people like the guests I get to meet, because either people are reaching out to me, or it gives me this built in excuse. So I can reach out to anyone I want and say, hey, would you like to come on my show? I think you'd be a nice person to, to entertain and educate our guests. And it really gives you this platform where you can showcase anything that you want that's important to you. Uh, a couple of times I've kind of gone, I, I still relate it to money, but maybe a little bit more tangentially, like I did some episodes related to sex trafficking and how that is intertwined with money and uh, how it can impact um, those uh, individuals' credit scores and then how they can access credit in their lives. So you can bring things that are really important to you and bring them to your, your platform. And um, lots of fun going to podcasting conferences, speaking at those kinds of events, but it's a, a wonderful community of people who are so willing to help and support each other. Oh yeah. I, I've, I've been in the industry for six years and it's, it's one of the best and most open communities, uh, mm-hmm. more so now than it was back when I was in it because everybody was like, everybody was fighting to be on the Apple chart. So no one was sharing <laughs> as much details. And then we figured out. Apple decides we don't, so it doesn't matter. Let's share our knowledge. And the more people come in, the more knowledge is shared because it's, it's, it's still the wild west. It's like the early days of YouTube. No one knows how it works. And I love it. Um, That's the other thing people will say, aren't you worried there there's more personal finance and, and money shows showing up every day? No, the more the merrier, because my goal is to increase financial fitness or literacy around the world. If I'm not the person that gets through to you, I want you to find someone else that you resonate with. So if we have more people doing it, it's just going to shine a bigger spotlight and everybody wins. So yeah. it's it's a very generous kind of uh, group, I find. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know my ideal listener is someone who is uh, like I was a year ago, who knew nothing about being a digital entrepreneur, heard about the digital world, mm-hmm. heard about making money and didn't believe it was possible. And here I am interviewing people making money online and saying, no, it is possible. Trust me, it is as easy <laughs> as they kind of say it is. There's a little bit of work, but it is kind of easy once you find your like your passion. So this is, I know there's hundreds of other digital entrepreneur podcasts out there, but my I'm focused in on my ideal listener, just like you're focused in on your ideal listener. Mm-hmm. And so there is no competition because 
there's a seven billion people in the world. Yeah. There's enough for everybody to uh, to share the piece of the pie. Um, I do want to get on to uh, a favorite moment you've had in your journey, either in the podcasting world or in your entrepreneurial journey that you would like to share with us. Oh, so many to think of. So uh, I think when, because when you're first starting your podcast, like you put out the episodes every week and you do your marketing and listeners come, but it's not like this overnight success. It's not like I had this huge marketing uh, budget where I was getting a thousand listeners every day. Uh, so then all of a sudden things start to change and people start asking you, can I come on your show? And so it happened a little bit gradually, but now regularly I'm getting tons of inbound requests. I'm getting requests from people I never thought who would want to come on my show. Uh, I had one of the, the big banks in Canada come to me two weeks ago and, and want to be featured on my show. And to me, that's pretty amazing. That's that huge. Built something out of nothing, um, started it. It really is my ideas every single week or uh, ideas I'm getting from listeners that the things they want to learn about and they want to hear, or I think they should know about. And so um, just seeing that, how that success can pay off and the transition from all outbound reaching to now, um, I could fill my guest roster with the inbound requests I get all day long, but I, I'm usually telling people, you know, I've only got about 20 some spots a year. So um, I appreciate, I get about 10 requests a week to come on the show, but I don't have that many, many openings. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm on that level too, getting those inbound requests for the different shows and it's just organizing everything and making sure. And it's like, I get people message me. It's like, when is our episode going up? I'm like, you're in December, buddy. We, I know we recorded back in April, but yeah, I'm sorry. There's a lot of content <laughs> coming out. I've actually upped how much I put it out before. It was yeah. just bi-weekly. Now it's three times a week. I have another show that goes weekly, uh, daily actually, because it, I have so many episodes for it. And I'm like, I just want to get the content out there for my listeners and for everybody to learn. Yeah. And the other thing that came with it is just increased visibility, increased credibility. Um, people know who I am that I don't know who they are. And that just takes time and, and being in the right place, having that continued promotion. So for anybody who's going to start a podcast, who has a podcast, or you're doing something different, as long as you stick with it and you're committed, the results pay off. So you need to to make sure you you stay the the course and that it, it's generally a long game. You're, you're right. not becoming this overnight success. You ain't going to be Joe Rogan in, <laughs> in a week. It's going to take you many years uh, to hit those high numbers. But um, Tracy, I do want to get into uh, a few more things about your entrepreneurial journey. Maybe a, a tip for an entrepreneur who's just jumping in, who's just about to start their journey. Maybe something from when you started yours. I think it's important to test the market. Um, you're going to have ideas about the things that you want to do when you want to offer to your clients or your prospective clients. Make sure before you even create like a super fancy website that you test it out and that people want to buy what you want to sell at a price you can actually make money. So I was clear on, on how much money I wanted to charge and, and make, but most people are just kind of jumping in with what do they think somebody will pay. Do the math, figure out how much it costs you to deliver. Uh, entrepreneurs are notorious at not valuing their own time, especially if it's service-based kind of um, digital mm -hmm. business. So you want to make sure that you factor in, if you had to pay someone else at least to do what you're doing, how much would that be? And then test it out with people. Do some um, beta pilots, um, get some feedback and then refine because it's probably going to take a few iterations before you get to the, the final thing that you land on and then spend some more money on your website. Uh, Cause I, I find it, and I did this too. I, I made a really nice website um, 
thinking about the things I was going to make and, and deliver, but they didn't turn out to be all of the things I was doing. So um, wasted time and, and money on that and then just time getting out and getting the feedback. So the sooner you can get the feedback, the better. There we go. Perfect advice. I love it. It is it is about testing. And a lot of the books I've been reading, like from John Lee Dumas, it's like get out or Tim Ferriss, you know, get out, test, see if there's a pro if there's a cash, if there's money there, and then make the product around it. And it it's true. If you don't test the market, that the big businesses do it all the time. They test the yeah. market well in advance before they actually put the money into it. So why not us instead of doing it the reverse way? Um, Tracy. I'm, I'm a, as I mentioned before, I'm a, a voracious book eater. I love reading. I love learning and knowledge in that. And I love sharing uh, other books with, uh, from entrepreneurs. Is there a book that you maybe not swear by, but it's one of those books that you always suggest to friends or, or beginner entrepreneurs to read? Do you have a book like that? A couple um, that come to mind. So one is Atomic Habits, um, James Clear. So good one. And I read it periodically to refresh my memory because I'm good once I get the habit started and then sometimes things fade off. So uh, I just like in the it. book, he says it, it plateaus. <laughs> yeah. I, I just finished it last week listening to the audio as I do my walks. But yeah, he says you, it's easy to start and then it plateaus and then you have to reread it again to get it back. So I've got to get this stuff really ingrained in my routine. Like the podcasting is in my routine. I never miss, but there's other things that don't always go as um, diligently. And the other book, I can't think of the author right, author right off the top of my head, but the one thing. And so getting really clear on what it is that you're focused on so that you can um, cut out some extraneous things and really, really stay focused on the one thing. Uh, and that one thing may change over time, but it's going to keep you really grounded in what you're doing. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm definitely going to be checking out the one thing because I, I have uh, Atomic Habits. It's an amazing book. I uh, love listening to it. I'm going to get the book too because it helps a bit more. Um, but Tracy, I'm going to jump off here. We're coming to the end. I want to give you the five minutes. Let my audience know where they can listen to your podcast, where they can connect with you on social media or anything like that. So give me one second here. The floor uh, is yours. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's been such a pleasure to be here today. Um, best place for everybody to reach out to me is on LinkedIn. So Tracy has an E, Visit has two S's, two T's. Would love to hear any comments or questions that you may have about your business finances or even kind of personally. Uh, you can check out Young Money with Tracy Bissett, the advice show for young millionaires in the making podcast is on any platform you can find podcasts. So if you connect with me on LinkedIn or follow me, you're certainly going to see the new episodes every single week. And I do have a gift for everybody listening today because you might have been intrigued. You want to get going on your business finances, but you don't know where to start. So I have a money meeting agenda for you. I encourage you at, at least once a month, you're going to take a look at it and spend some time on your business finances. Uh, weekly is better. Even if you can spend 20 minutes to 30 minutes a week, that will really help you. So you can download it at bizmoneycoach.ca. So that's a complimentary uh, money meeting agenda to really kickstart your, your focus and your dedicated time on your business finances. So you can grab that at bizmoneycoach.ca. Excellent. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, the links will be in the show notes down below so that you can go ahead and connect with Tracy so that you can make your money even smarter and get in more shape because uh, the more money is working for you, the better you look. Um, Tracy, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Your knowledge has been 
amazing. And I'm so glad that I've connected with you because I'm going to be listening to more episodes of your podcast because heck, I'm not perfect with money and why not learn from (laughs) someone who's been doing it for at least 16 years, you know, teaching people. (laughs) She may have a little bit of knowledge to share with us. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Phil Better, the podcast mogul. She's Tracy Bissett, the financial fitness coach. I thank you all for listening. Remember to invest in yourself and have a great day. Hey, everybody, I want to thank you so, so much for watching the show and listening to the podcast. Uh, As a thank you, remember, you can always head over to my website, feelbetterinc.com and get free 15 minutes with me to talk about how you can grow your podcast, how to monetize your podcast, or even how to start your podcast. I have helped lots of people and I want to help you do the same for your business or just for your personal brand. So again, that is feelbetterinc.com. Dot com. Head over there, book your free 15 minutes, and I'll be a pleasure to help you out. Have a good night and remember to invest in yourself.